Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their worlds. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon. Project management, a continuing conversation. Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. I'm Dale Dixon along with Ron Price. Hello, Ron. Great to be with you again, Dale. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, Ron is the co-author of The Complete Leader. It's the book uh, that is really a companion to this podcast. Hopefully, you're enjoying this podcast as you grow in your leadership journey. The book is a great resource for you, as is the website, thecompleteleader.org. And Ron, we're wrapping up this conversation about project management. And as we we heard in the first and and again in the second podcast, parts of the conversation, project management really brings in and and creates a package of the leadership skills that we work on throughout the book. Bring us up to speed for people who are just joining us or are wanting a bit of a refresher. We talked about the overall scope of project management, and, and then in the most recent episode, we broke it down into where to start applying project management principles in our day-to-day work. Yes, Dale. So in our first conversation about this, we talked a little bit about what project management is. It's the organizing and execution of lots of resources and people and stuff that needs to get done so that you can achieve something significant. We talked about how to get started with it and when it's a valuable tool or approach for us to use. In our second conversation, we talked about how valuable it is to build a strong framework for successful project management before you get started. So clear definition of what you're trying to accomplish and what the tasks associated with uh, that project are and the timeline and who you're going to have involved and what obstacles you might run into, what new skills you might need to develop, all of those kinds of things. And how it really borrows from a lot of what we learned in developing goal achievement skills in the Complete Leader Program. And we also talked about when it's appropriate to think about this more systematic, this I would say a higher level of uh, management of what needs to get done around a project. So we talked about how if it's a project that is going to be taking place over a longer period of time and has a high benefit if it's completed well, a project that has high stakes associated with it, or a project that requires a lot of different people to be involved because project management is a tremendous tool to keep everybody on track. So those are all things that we've talked about today. What I'm hoping we can talk about today is one of the primary tools that I've used over the years for successful project management. And then also how important it is to maintain um, strong relationships and strong morale with your team and looking for opportunities to synergize together. Great, let's get started. Um, Always interested in a new tool to make my work better. (laughs) <laughs> Great. Well, a new tool, but actually an old tool. I, it, it may be something that you've used before. I'm not sure, but it's something called a Gantt chart that's spelled G-A-N-T-T. And it's actually named after a fellow named Henry Gantt, G-A-N-T-T. Essentially, it's like a spreadsheet. So that means that it has rows down the side and then columns across the top. And normally in creating a Gantt chart, you use the rows to identify the specific tasks that need to be completed. So in your left-hand column, that first set of rows, you're gonna write, well, first we're gonna do this, then this, then this, then this. I like doing it on an Excel spreadsheet because often 
I begin building at sort of a high level and I think of more and more tasks. And as I think of more and more tasks that need to be added, it's easy to just add a row using um, Microsoft Excel spreadsheet, but any kind of spreadsheet like that you can use it with. So the columns start with the task and then the next column usually is the person or the team that's responsible for that task. And then after that, you have a series of columns that indicate different periods of time. So it might be weeks or months or quarters. It depends on the scope of the project and how detailed your planning is. And sometimes you'll have a master spreadsheet that's, that has these high level milestones that you've identified. And then you'll have additional, what Microsoft Excel refers to as worksheets or additional spreadsheets that dial into the details of each of those larger categories. So it's a way that you can keep track of this is the task, this is who's going to do it, and then you color the cells or you color the columns during the period of time that that work is going to be done, and it shows you when the work is going to be completed. It, oftentimes, a Gantt chart like this will have a column at the end that will give you a place for comments to identify the progress that you're making. So it's a visual tool that gives you a chance that says, this is what we said needs to be done, this is who's gonna do it, this is over the time period, and then you can track your progress, and you can do that in a way that shows you the whole project on one worksheet, or as I said, if it's a more complex project, you can have multiple worksheets with sort of an executive summary worksheet at the top. So this is what's called a Gantt chart, and it's been used by, for decades by people who have developed great skills at project management. So it sounds like the spreadsheet would be the most simple, straightforward way to put a Gantt chart together. Have you come across some other software programs that you'd recommend or that we could look into? Oh yes, there are dozens of them. <laughs> and they all have a little different spin. And there's actually an association called the Project Management Institute that uh, my executive assistant is a member of that association because she has greater project management skills than me and it comes more naturally for her. Um, and, and they have chapters all around the world where they're looking at ways of more sophisticated ways of managing projects. So yes, there are a lot of options for how you can get more and more detailed um, more and more specific and highly focused in project management. However, if you've not done any project management in the past, I would recommend that you not go buy one of those programs to start because they usually have so many bells and whistles or so many features that you will, there's a tendency for you to get lost and never use it because it's, you're spending too much time trying to figure out how to use the project management system that you're not doing project management. So I recommend that you start with a simple spreadsheet. Get comfortable with what we've just described, all of the tasks down the left-hand column, if there are other people involved, then who's responsible for each task, and then your timeline for each thing. That's really the place to start developing your project management skills. And then when you feel that you're ready for more complex approaches to project management, I recommend that you go to the Project Management Institute. You can just Google it to find their website. And they have training programs and they have reviews of the different tools that are available. They're a great resource for you to go to as you want to develop higher levels of skill for this. Isn't it human nature, I mean, just like the question I asked, to dive into how do we make this more complex? It can't be as simple as just putting a spreadsheet yeah. together. <laughs> 
And I think when I think of systems, I think the, the way that we keep from systems becoming the master and us the slave is that we always ask ourselves, what's the simplest system I can utilize to get the maximum results? Mm. And Great that, that is, it all depends on the scope of the project and all of these other things that we talked about, how many other people are going to be involved, the stakes associated with success in this project, all of those other things that we've talked about up to this point eventually dictate how complex you're going to go with your systems. But the idea of a system is to serve the people who are trying to get the result rather than for the people to end up serving the system. So that's a fantastic tool that you've given us. As we started the podcast, you mentioned there were two things we were going to do today. Number one, the tools. Number two, you wanted to talk about team morale and synergy. And I love digging into these things and hearing what you have to say. So let's transition into the people part of this project now. Yeah, this is what's so fascinating to me after um, I'm in my fifth decade of leadership and have done project ma projects during that time, project management work at, at one level or another. And, and we have people who have a natural tendency to be really good with the, the skills around planning the tasks that need to be done and tracking them and letting people know who's ahead or who's behind and when we've run into an obstacle. People who are the real planners, I would say. And then we have people who, that's not so easy for them to do, but they're the relators. They're the people who wanna keep everybody happy and they wanna make sure that everybody's heard. And so I think a great project manager, great project management skills, you figure out how to balance both of those. You've got to be very well aware of the details, but you have to also be aware of the dynamic, the interpersonal dynamics, the team dynamics, the team morale. And oftentimes the best projects are led by two people that have those two skills and they learn how to appreciate each other, how to complement each other in the, the way that they work through a project. But if you don't have a situation where you've got two people, it doesn't take away the idea that you need to be aware of both things because failure at either one of those levels, either the details or the people, could cause less than desired uh, results from a project. So we, we talked earlier, Dale, about this idea that project management really employs all of the skills in the complete leader. So if you remember the complete leader book is broken down into these categories of being a clear thinker. So it has to do with futuristic thinking and problem solving and decision making, things like that. Being somebody who can get things done, that has to do with organizing and executing around priorities and, and um, being flexible and resilient and achieving goals and leaders leading others, which has to do with understanding what other people bring to the team and how to communicate effectively with them and how to work through conflicts and how to develop people's skills and develop strong teams. All of this comes together in being a great project manager. And um, so I think you've got to take some time to think about, especially projects that involve other people, not just assuming that everybody's going to automatically be able to do anything and get along well, but that we have to organize people in the appropriate way to take advantage of their strengths and to neutralize their weaknesses. Hmm. So let's, let's summarize what we've learned over the last uh, three conversations about project management. Well, <clears throat> first of all, we talked about what project management is and why it's important and where project management is a skill that you should be utilizing as a leader and how to get started with it and the keys to mastering the project management. 
And then finally, this idea of the importance of team morale. And before we finish today, Dale, let's just talk a little bit about, so, okay, we all know that team morale is important, but how do you get it? How do you get there? Mm -hmm. So my experience has been that there are four or five simple things that you can do that give you a much greater chance of having a highly productive, synergistic, collaborative team. The first is it's important to make sure that the team involved in the project understands the big picture. Sometimes because we understand where we're trying to go as the project leader, we assume everybody else does. And a lot of the work that we do around helping organizations be more successful in project management is around communication. It's around making sure that everybody can see the whole picture of what we're trying to accomplish and how they fit in what contributions, specific contributions they make as a part of it. Part of the reason that's important is oftentimes they will see something that we don't see that's maybe not their direct responsibility, but when they have a line of sight to the whole project, they, they become a part of the contributing wisdom of how we're going to do that project effectively. So we need their brain power even in areas that they're not responsible for executing. I could tell you story after story after story how somebody who wasn't responsible for part of the project saw something brilliant because we helped them to see the big picture. So it starts with that, seeing the big picture. Second, making sure that you're really clear about what their role is and what their contribution is specifically. And then number three, providing opportunities for them to contribute in the decision-making process. Because one of the great ways to build team morale and to have a, a collaborative team is for them to feel that they're not just responding to somebody else's decisions, but that they get to influence at least, and sometimes depending on their level of uh, involvement, responsibility, and authority, they may be actually making decisions around things. I, I, I think some of the most successful projects I've been involved with, I've given people complete authority for their area. I'll give them a few boundaries, stay, say maybe budgetary, or time frame, but then I say, you go do it and just come tell me if you need my support. I don't have to micromanage them because I know their capabilities in that area. So make sure that they have opportunities to demonstrate some autonomy and to influence the decision-making process. Number four, I guess we assume this, but it's important not to just assume it. We need to make sure that when we give people assignments that they're well-suited for those roles and those tasks that we've assigned to them, that we're not asking people to do something just so we can get it off of our plate, but we're asking them to just do something because we think they can do it better than us because they have the skills and the motivation to do it. And then last of all, have some process in place throughout the project where you can have some good debate and you've developed a way to resolve conflicts when they come up because the more complex the problem or the project, the, the greater the stakes associated, there are going to be people who have different opinions and you need to find a space for those opinions to be debated well and to resolve conflicts so that those conflicts don't become impediments or unnecessary friction in the achievement of your project. So these are simple things, understanding the picture, understanding how they fit in, give them opportunities to contribute in the decision-making process, make sure they're a good fit for what you're asking them to do and have some process for good debate and resolving conflicts when they come up. If you do those things, you're about 90% of the way to having great team morale, which oftentimes is the key to getting the best results out of your system. Because your system is really neutral. Your system is a framework 
uh, for pro good project management, but the fuel, the things that what actually creates the results are your people working inside of the system of good project management. I hear you saying create an atmosphere of ownership and wins for Absolutely. everybody involved. Absolutely. Yes, I think. And it's not always that they need to be in the limelight. As a matter of fact, not everybody wants to be in the limelight, but they want to feel that they're making a difference. They want to feel in the process that they're learning something new. And they want to feel that they have some autonomy or some control over the contributions that they're making. You give them those three things and then make sure that they understand that they're interconnected with each other and they need each other. You'll have a high performing team. Ron, I have to admit, I feel like these last three conversations were just for me. <laughs> but I'm glad that folks are able to listen in. I'm taking away a lot and I'm going to rethink and, um, and rethink how I do things and apply what we've talked about over the last three conversations. So personally, thank you very much. Hopefully our listeners feel the same and are able to do that. Go back, listen to these podcasts and uh, take some notes. Look at how you can apply this to your work and your journey of becoming a high performing leader. Thank you so much, Ron. Great. Thanks to you, Dale. You do a wonderful job uh, hosting the Complete Leader podcast and drawing things out of me. I really enjoy working with you. Absolutely. It goes both ways. Thank you so much. This is the Complete Leader Podcast. You can find more resources for your journey in becoming a high-performing leader at thecompleteleader.org. Be sure to visit the website. While you're out and about, if you would rate and review the podcast, we would appreciate it. The reason why, when you rate and review the podcast, it makes it easier for others who are searching for this type of information and content. We will see you right back here your favorite podcast listening app for the next edition of the Complete Leader Podcast. Everything you need to become a high-performing leader. Thanks for listening to the Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org.